Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. This is a show designed to uplift, to inspire, to transform, to open you to the vast potential that you are, and to tap into the wisdom and to the healing and the power that exists within you. Thank you for joining me today, and please go to my website if you'd like to get all of my podcasts, whether it's this show on The Love Code or my other program on Progressive Radio Network, What Women Must Know. And that Facebook page is What Women Must Know. And you can also go to my website, which is drcherylselman.com, opt in there, and all of my shows will be sent to you. So I'm going to jump right into things because we have a limited time with my guest today, and I'm so uh, excited and so grateful that we have Alberto Liodo with us today. We're going to be exploring what's happening during these times that we are in, and most importantly, we're becoming a new human called Homo Luminous, and we're going to explore what that means in our evolutionary journey on this planet. So just let me um, first introduce Alberto. Alberto Liodo, who's a PhD, is a medical anthropologist, psychologist, and shaman who studied the spiritual practices of the Amazon and the Andes for more than 30 years. While at San Francisco State University, he founded the Biological Self-Regulation Laboratory to study how the mind creates psychosomatic health and disease. Alberto is founder of the world-renowned Four Wind Society and of the Light Body School. In his teachings and writings, he shares the experience of infinity and its ability to heal and transform us, to free us from the temporal chains that keep us fettered to illness, old age, and disease. He instructs individuals throughout the world in the practice of energy medicine. Alberto has written numerous best-selling books, including Power Up Your Brain, The Neuroscience of Enlightenment with Dr. David Pellmutter, Shaman, Healer, Sage, One Spirit Medicine, and How to Grow a New Body. And it's such an honor and a pleasure to welcome uh, Dr. Alberto Viola to the show once again. So hello, Alberto, and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning, Cheryl. Good to be with you again. And I know you're calling us from your mountaintop in Chile, so I'm so glad we have a connection to make this interview happen. Um, Alberto, uh, here's here's what I think is uh, on so many people's minds and people's hearts these days. We're going through a unique moment in the history of our, probably of our civilization, certainly of our culture at this point, with that was initiated by this uh, pandemic. And as a result, of course, everyone knows all over the world, um, everything has changed dramatically, almost in a twinkling of an eye. We have been um, shut in, quarantined, we're into social distancing, businesses have closed. We are living in a fearful place of a condition which um, uh, I question how serious the disease or this virus really is, but that doesn't matter because we have initiated We've initiated a process that we are in, and there's no going back. But there's a greater purpose for what has been initiated. It's been a purpose that has been predicted, prophesized for eons of time from cultures all over the world. And here we are. It's happening. So my first um, question or my first uh, request of you is to give us the bird's eye view. Give us an understanding of what we are in, what's happening in the greater purpose, so all of us can navigate with a greater sense of purpose at this time. 
Okay, Cheryl, that's a really big question, but there's some very, very good answers for that, very simple answers to that. We're in a period of crisis today. We're in an evolutionary crisis. We tend to think that the crisis is this virus that's been that loose in the world. The crisis is really climate change and species extinction, and there have been five major extinction events in the past. We're in the fifth right now. The previous one was 65 million years ago when a meteorite hit the Earth and wiped out 99% of the species. This extinction event is man-made. And what it's, it's being caused by our abuse of the planet, our unecological uh, lifestyles, by our predatory relationship with the Earth, by the fact that we think that everything in the planet belongs to us instead of our being the stewards of the planet. Now, let me give you an example. Ebola is an excellent example of that. The Ebola virus was contained in a small 10-acre forest in Africa. And when this forest was logged, was cut down, it left its ecosystem and created a pandemic that luckily has been pretty much contained. This pandemic has not been contained. But remember that evolution always happened with crisis like this, that if you look at human DNA, 97% of human DNA is called junk DNA. But what it is, it's really the fossil history of all of the viral epidemics that we have lived through, including the Black Plague and small, it's all encoded in our DNA because we're the survivors. So this is simply another evolutionary experiment. Now, the indigenous people call this the Pachakuti, the end of time, the end of a species, the end of, of humanity as we have known it. It's the end of Homo sapiens. But they predicted the dawn of a new human called Homo luminous. But that didn't mean that you were going to wake up one morning and suddenly be glowing in the dark. You're not going to become enlightened overnight. It meant that you had to go through the alchemical process of transformation. You had to become a new human that had a new code of ethics and even a new physical body. And we're not going to look any different. It's just going to be a more resilient, virus-proof, disease-proof, physical body that ages and heals and dies differently. And this is really our task today, is to be part of this evolutionary experiment. It's what I call the experiment of N is equal to 1, where the number of subjects in the experiment is you. You know, my experiment is called Alberto, yours is called Cheryl. And today you have to take on the experiment. Because if you're not part of the experiment, you get to be automatically part of the control group, which is the mass of humanity that is sick and dying, that is unhealthy, that has heart disease and diabetes and cancer. Now, you get to be part of the control group. So our task today is to participate in that quantum leap actively and not sit around waiting for a vaccine. 
Well, you know, that's such a big thought <laughs> to entertain. So so what is happening? It has been predicted for, for uh, I don't know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, Alberta, by these by indigenous cultures, right? They, they've, they've seen a time that is a part of this evolutionary leap. I don't know if we ever talked, but I, I used to live in the Sri Aurobindo ashram in India. And um, Sri Aurobindo was a unique sage, and he talked about um, the evolution, that we are going to evolve into a new species. He calls it the supramental being. And that was uh, a unique part of his, what he, you know, downloaded in his spiritual connection. Are we talking about something similar? This evolution into a more conscious, a more aware, uh, a being that um, has access to the unlimited potential powers that exist within us as we connect to this field of infinite possibilities. So is that what we are really exploring here? You know, we're, we're taking a quantum leap, a quantum leap in evolution at this point. And that, as a result of this quantum leap, we're going to be able to tap into our limited possibilities to do good and to create beauty. Because... Unfortunately, in the past, we've tapped into our unlimited possibility to destroy and to wreak havoc. So now we're going to be developing a higher set of ethics, a higher code of ethics. Now, the question here is, how does Mother Earth, Pachamama, that the indigenous people call her, how does she support this experiment? Does she care only for the well-being of the species, or is she concerned about you and I as individuals? So what the indigenous people say is, if you take part in this experiment, your mother, our mother, will look after us. Our mother wants us to be well. She's not interested only in the collection of individuals and the species, but in you and I. And I'll give you an example of this, because... For the shamans, there's no difference between being killed by a microbe or a virus and being killed by a jaguar. You've got to be in good relationship with both microbes and jaguars, or they will both look at you at lunch. Now, this good relationship is called Aini in the Andes. Aini means that we are looking after each other. We look after the earth, and the earth looks after us. We look after the garden that we've been given to be the stewards of, and the garden will look after us through our food, our nutrients, and that the garden is not only the earthly garden, it's also the cosmic garden. It's the sun. It's the sunlight. Now, the codes for a new human are coming today through the sun and from the sun. They're coming during these incredible firestorms that are happening in the sun right now, the solar flares that are of an extraordinary order of magnitude. And they contain the codes for a new, for not only for a new humanity, but for a new planet. So the plants are receiving it, the animals are receiving it, humans are receiving it. Now to do this, first you need to be out in the sun and get your vitamin D. And uh, people ask me, well, can you get enough vitamin D from sunlight? I say, yes, you can if you work as a lifeguard. 
or if you bicycle to work naked. Otherwise, <laughs> we're not getting our vitamin D. But it's not our vitamin D that we're interested in. We're interested in, in the codes that are encoded in the light. We're interested in the light and the information that's providing us with the codes that will express the genetics for a new human. But the problem is that our energy field is very obscured. It's very clouded. It's got a lot of noise in it. So we're not able to get that signal through into our bodies. So, so we need to detox the field. And the field, the energy field that surrounds the body, becomes toxic with toxic emotions. So this is so important today to clear the toxic emotions from our system, from our body, from our energy field, from our mind. This is absolutely key. So when people ask me, what can I do to, to stay healthy during this crisis? I tell them, forgive. Practice forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Forgive the people that you feel wrong you. But take it beyond forgiveness because forgiveness still assumes that somebody did something wrong to you. And that's a fallacy. Take it into gratitude. So you can say to those, to your ex that you felt were so terrible to you, thank you, honey, for teaching me. Thank you for the lesson. I never ever want to have another lesson like that. It, my life, but thank you for the teaching. The people that you feel hurt you, thank you for teaching me. Gratitude is the key to liberation and to clearing the field. And that's because today we don't have access to a shaman that can work with you and help you detoxify your field and clear those heavy, dark energies that settle inside the field and that later gets somatized as heart conditions and cancers and disease. So for the shamans, and I trained as a shaman and become a shaman after 25 years of study in the Amazon and in the Andes, the shaman learns how to track the energy in the field and how to clear those imprints before they manifest as disease. And I'll tell you a very quick little story. I was invited to go and do some research in Haiti on voodoo. And voodoo is actually an amazing healing art. But the voodoo practitioners go both ways depending on who's hired them. But they're a little bit like our attorneys today. So I asked the voodoo priest, how do you hurt someone? And not why, but how do you hurt someone? I wanted to know the mechanism. And he said, it's simple. You track in the field, and if you find that there's a family curse, they call it curses, that there's a family history of heart disease, you find that little bundle of energy in the field, and you just tweak it, turn it on. And that person will die from what's already encoded in their field. And I asked him, well, well how do you heal? And they said, well, in exactly the same way. You find that bundle of dark energy and you clear it, you remove it, you release it, and you help the person learn the lesson so they don't have to learn through a cancer. And I go, wow, thank you for teaching me. What, a, what an exquisite bit of wisdom. And I'm so sorry that, you know, that it has to be used uh, for harms 
the way that it's been used. And he said, well, you know, we're not the only people that use power to harm. Where you come from, Alberto, he said, everyone is doing sorcery, especially in the big corporations. And because you're harming each other, you're harming the environment, you're harming, you're harming people. So the first step, of course, is to clear these toxic bundles of energy from our field by clearing our toxic emotions. Gratitude. Well, you know, yeah, that's um, you know, that that you know, it's so it's so profound what you are sharing with us because it's not it's not difficult to initiate a practice of gratitude, but it's the discipline of of continuing, of staying with this shift where we own, where we're you know we're we're not projecting out and feeling victimized, but we're understanding it's all a gift of our own evolution and healing of our misperceptions and our wounds. Yep. Precisely. Well, this is what Carl Jung described as the shadow. So the shadow are those parts of ourselves that are unhealed, the toxic emotions that make us confuse our perception for reality. And if we begin to own our shadow and recognize it, remember that the mechanism of the dark side of the shadow is projection. That we project it onto others and we recognize in others the parts of ourselves that we don't like or that we disown. And if we can begin to own those shadow elements and go, ah, this is also me. I must heal this within me and not project it onto the world, then the world becomes a canvas that we can project beauty onto and we can dream the world into being. So it's the same mechanism that the shadow utilizes to project our negativity onto others or even our greatest gifts, our greatness, we project it onto others, into movie stars and onto the people that we wish we were like. When we begin to own these projections and to go, ah, that is me also. Practice forgiveness and gratitude. Clear the field. Then we can truly step into growing a new body. This is the, the title of my most recent book, Grow a New Body that Chris Northrup, I know you know, uh, wrote up the introduction for. And the new human disappearing in the earth will have a new body that heals and ages and dies differently. And that's perhaps undying because we're the only species, we, the dolphins and the whales, are the only species on the planet that don't have a death program in our DNA. So we're part of an experiment in immortality that biology is doing. But to take part in that experiment, we got to survive this crisis that we're going through first, which I think is totally exaggerated because it's only being so deadly because people are so sick because of their diet and their toxic emotions. So if we can go beyond this, go through this challenge, 
change our diet, change our emotions, change our brain, because you cannot change your mind until you change your brain. You've got to repair and upgrade the brain. And this is in my book, Growing the Body. How do we do this? Then we can become that homo luminous and, uh, and stop waiting for a vaccine. So um, I wanted to ask you how, how people face an uncertain future. How, how are we, um, what do you suggest, how, how can you, you know, advise or guide us when we're facing a future where we may have uh, mandated vaccines, which I know terrifies so many people because we don't know what's going to be in this uh, vaccine, and if we're mandated, it's suddenly we're under controls of the, of the system. And um, I think that's, that's a huge fear that people have who are, aware that vaccines come with serious risks associated with it. And so that's just one of the, the dangers that we're facing. How, how do we deal with these kinds of fears and, and potential realities? Well, I think, you know, I am a firm believer in vaccination. I have many, many friends of mine that disagree with me, but I truly believe that vaccines have save the lives of many, many people. What I don't believe in is the, the way we're vaccinating children in the United States today, where you're getting 65 different vaccines before the age of two. I mean, when we were kids, we had three vaccines. And what's happening is that we're vaccinating people before their immune system matures, and we're destroying them and cursing them for the rest of their lives. The children that are getting these high dose of toxins very, very early on and so together so rapidly are, you know, they're unwilling participants in a biology, in a, in a chemistry experiment. So it's the wise use of vaccines that's important. And here is where each and every one of us has to decide what is right for us. And the for myself, I'm not interested in a, in a vaccine for COVID-19 because I'm more interested in developing a body that is resilient and, and parasite-proof and, and microbe-proof. So if I'm going to consider something like vaccination, I need to know what's in it. I need to know there's no mercury in it. For a long time, we're being poisoned by mercury in vaccines. Today, the mercury is out, luckily, in America. But the rest of the world is still using the old discarded American vaccines that are still containing aluminum and mercury. We have to be careful what we put in our bodies. And second, I wouldn't consider a vaccine unless I had a really good health and lifestyle plan that supported exceptional health. Because when you're taking a vaccine, you're taking a toxin into your body. So this is, a, this is a big question that everyone's going to have to make a choice. The very high-risk populations, I think, really, we need to take a look at that uh, and consider thoroughly. If you are young and you have, you're fit and you are eating well, then I think it's a different criteria that applies here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. 
I feel that we're in the hands of really, really caring, good doctors. I'm more concerned about the, the, the big corporations and their ruthless agenda of, of profiteering. But I'm, I, I feel that, that they're very, very good medical people in the world that have the welfare of humanity in mind. And, um, and we already have chips installed. So, I, you know, my, my, uh, my good, very, very good friend says, I don't want a chip put in me. So we already have chips in our phones and in our credit cards and in our, in everything. So they're not going to put a chip in your brain. They don't even want your brain. The problem today is, is that we have an excess of humanity. You know, the big brother doesn't want to know where you are. So this is, this is the fear that comes when you have a diet that is sugar laden, that is so full of sugar that it turns on only our sugar brain, which is our Neanderthal brain that lives in fear and in fight or flight. So we need to change our diet to step into our higher brain that doesn't run on sugars, but that runs on good fats, on ketones, on ketosis, so that we can see with the ego perspective. We can see truly the big picture and not be fear-driven and superstition-driven and uh, conspiracy-driven. Yeah, that's such a, you know, this is a turning point and uh, it's a huge wake-up call for people, people who have kind of dabbled a little bit in personal development or spiritual practices but haven't really understood the importance of a disciplined practice and uh, implementing everything you've been saying, everything from cleaning up your diet to the environment that we live in, you know, you're, make sure everything in your home is free of chemicals. We start there. And then, and then um, surrounding yourself with inspiration, with uh, uplifting people, uplifting thoughts. You know, um, you know I belong to the Gaia channel, Gaia.com, and I just watch all these inspirational lectures and, and uh, documentaries. And, I, I, you know, I... For me, it's staying out of the drama and staying connected to the inspiration and the possibilities that that really we are and that exist in the world. Because we have to we have to program ourselves. Otherwise, we get programmed by the drama and the news and the fear out there in the world. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, we don't live in a democracy anymore. We live in, we don't live in a democracy anymore. We live in a mediocracy. And it's run by the media. And the media runs on hype and on fear. And they're fear mongers. So I think the best thing we could do is to watch the news religiously once a month. Maximum. Turn off the TV, turn off the, the daily search for what's the most recent death toll in, the, in New York and, and focus on the good news. Go to Gaia, go, go to the, the sources of inspiration, look at the intelligent optimist, read the inspirational books, settle your fight or flight, which is coming from this Neanderthal sugar brain and step into your higher brain 
that is understanding of our interconnectedness with all life, with all beings, with the past and the future. The shamans of old were able to prophesy this time that we're living in because they could track along future timelines. And they did this every day. This was an everyday practice when they tracked for where the buffalo were going to be tomorrow or where the fish were going to be the next day so they could get the timeline of the fishermen to intersect the timeline of the fish. So future tracking was a, it's a common spiritual practice. It's done in many parts of the world. But we're disconnected from it. We're, we don't think that we can that we can track into the future, that we can change the probability of events. And I know that we can. Shamans know that we can. And they foretold this, what we're going through 500 years ago. We had the first records, one of the earliest prophecies that comes from the, uh, the Mayans talk about seven heavens of decreasing choice and nine hells of increasing doom and then the Lord of the Dawn will return, will begin a new dawn for humanity. Seven heavens of decreasing choice. Each one of the heavens and hells was a 52-year period of the calendar of the Americas. Seven heavens, seven times 52, and then the Spanish arrived. And these huge ships with billowing white sails coming from the east and the Aztec scouts believed, confused this for the return of the Lord of the Dawn because it was coming from the place of the rising sun. They had never seen a ship with white sails before. And they reported to the kings that the Lord of the Dawn, Quetzalcoatl, was returning. And big mistake. It was the arrival of the conquistadors that brought with them an epidemic from Europe that killed 100 million people, smallpox. And it was the beginning of the first hell of increasing doom. And the ninth hell of increasing doom ended just recently. And then you have the 2012 prophecies coinciding with this. 2012 was the tipping point where it was still happening so subtly. The species extinctions were happening so subtly you didn't really notice it. I remember driving through the Northeast in the, in the uh, late summer, and you, you had to clean the bugs from your windshield every 20 minutes. And today, you drive through and there, there, are no, there are no bugs in your windshield. The extinction that is happening in the insect world is extraordinary. So 2012 was the tipping point, and today the heat is up, the water is boiling, and the frog is still in the pan. <laughs> so this is where we are today. And we're not even deep into the Pachacuti. We're just at the beginning of it. If you think this is bad now, wait until the Pachacuti, the turning over of the world, really accelerates. This is going to get really interesting. So this is this is, we have, we have to brace ourselves. Okay, so uh, <laughs> what? Okay, so so we 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 know we now are in this time, and and um, for those who hadn't heard of the prophecies in this period, this Pachacuti, 
um, this, you know, this changing of an epoch. Um, but to, I mean, you shared in the beginning some of the strategies we need to start working more deeply on ourselves. Um, what what else is it that is required of us at this time so we can um, not just survive and thrive during times of change, which will be unfolding, whether it's uh, you know societal, economic changes, uh, um, health, whatever. But um, how do we invest our time and energy to take take um, to, um, to, to, to take the the signals that are coming from the sun that are allowing us to evolve, to change, to reconnect to our divine nature. How do we, um, you know, what are the steps to embody into our life that allows us to expand, to uh, open to this greater spiritual connection of who we really are, this awakening time? So the question is, what can we do? What can we do right now to become part of this process and not be buffeted by this? by this great transformation that we're going through. So there's a couple of things. First, let me, let me point out, there's something really interesting that, that happened in the um, nursing homes, the early nursing homes in the United States and in Europe. In Europe, the convalescent homes and the convalescent hospitals took their patients outdoor into the sun where they could receive fresh air and if you were going out to get a breath of fresh air and sunlight. In the United States, we were into modernity. This was 60, 70 years ago. So the convalescent hospitals and homes took their patients out into the sunlight but inside windows that filtered out the UV light so that the Americans were not getting the ultraviolet light, whereas the Europeans were. The Europeans recovered. They didn't get the dementia. They didn't go, go into a rapid decay process, whereas the convalescent patients in the hospitals that had glass filtering the sunlight became sick, became demented, got the Parkinson's and the Alzheimer's. It's amazing how that's, that's already in our medical history. What can we do today is first to eat well, Second, to upgrade the brain. The brain is upgraded with um, vitamin D, with, which is not really a vitamin, it's actually a hormone, with the omega-3 fatty acids, the DHA is one of the omega-3s. We used to get that in our food. Today our food is devoid of DHA. You need to supplement with it. And that repairs the region in the brain called the hippocampus, that allows you to have a new experience and to learn. And the hippocampus repairs in about six weeks. You can repair, you grow this region in your brain again that shrinks because of stress, of cortisol, of adrenaline, and the lack of omega-3s. You know, breast milk is 40% omega-3, DHA, because the brain needs it to grow. It's not in our food. It used to be in our fish, but now all of our fish is farm-raised, so we must supplement. That's at the physical level. At the emotional level, 
you want to be sure that you forgive and you practice gratitude. Don't wait until the end of your life to do this. Do it now. Just not to forgive anybody in particular, but just to do it for yourself so you're free of these toxic emotions. And then at a spiritual level, we need to have a map. We need a new map for this journey. This is not just about getting through this crisis. It's going to get more intense. This is about being part of that evolutionary experiment and becoming a new human. Becoming sacred, becoming a sacred being, and developing a sacred map for yourself. So that when I work with world-class athletes, they visualize themselves getting to the finish line, but getting there first. They visualize themselves going for the gold, not just getting to the end of the process. So we have to do the same. We have to install along our future timeline a successful outcome where we become that new human, that new, that homo luminous that ages and heals and dies or perhaps never dies differently. So this is, this is so important today. And the problem is that when our hippocampus is damaged, our fight-or-flight system is turned on nonstop, and we are stressed out. We're anxious, and fight-or-flight leads into paralysis. We become paralyzed, and if we become paralyzed, we can't be part of the experiment. Then your immune system is paralyzed. Then you cannot co-create. You cannot dream that new world in that, in that empty canvas, that blank canvas. So there are many, many things that we can do. We need to begin with detoxing the body, detoxing the brain, upgrading the brain, and then we can process those signals that are being offered to us by the sun, by the sunlight. It's all in the light. And go out, get, get a lot of sunlight every day. You know, take your clothing off, lay with your belly on the, the earth and get a lot of sun in your body, but detox, eat well, and dream the possible, and be and practice fearlessness. To me today, the pathway to extraordinary health is through the practice of fearlessness, which means that you have to reset the fight-or-flight system, the fear system of the ancient brain, and step into that higher brain of oneness and communion and profound spirituality that you can only find in this higher brain. And this is what we came here to do. This is what we incarnated. What we came part of, part of what we came to do in this time is to usher a new humanity in. And then you and I, and all of us, will become the ones that we've been waiting for. Which is uh, so uh, inspiring to understand that we are in a process of evolution into a spiritual, into a truly spiritual being, into a being that is able to utilize the infinite possibilities that we have encoded in us, that we have been disconnected from. And, uh, And our culture so much is one of disconnection from ourselves. We externalize, we project, we um, have disconnected from nature, and um, there's a destiny for us. There's a, a, a destiny for 
who we really are. And as you were saying, and we have to begin by detoxing because it's like a static, right, that gets in the way of our ability to connect with the information that's available. I'm so fascinated by this understanding of the sun. And um, I was watching the documentary, Pachacuti, which I'm going to put a link to after our interview, with the indigenous uh, peoples of um, uh, South America, Central America, and, and the sun was so much a part of their spiritual um, culture, wasn't it, Abhijit? Because they had the understanding that, that the, the sun is delivering information. It is delivering codes to us, right into our eyes and into our brain. It runs all the circadian rhythms of our body, and all the functioning of our body comes from the sun. And, and that's just the, the physical level. Yeah. You know, the, the anthropologist um, reported for many, many decades that ancient cultures worshipped the sun. And if you learned this in elementary school, how they were worshipping the, the sun god in Egypt and the, how the Incas worshipped Inti, and they didn't worship the sun. This was an anthropological misunderstanding. This is just kind of imposing the Western anthropological view on indigenous people. They did not understand that the sun was a ball of fire one million times the size of the earth and that the nuclear factories inside the sun were, that these were stars. Where for the people in the Amazon and the Andes, the sun was a hole in the sky that the light leaked through. So it was the light that they honored and revered, not the sun, but the light itself. So this is a misinterpretation of my fellow anthropologists, that they worship the sun. No, they worship the light. And they realized that we were made of light, that we were very, very tightly packed molecules of light. And in the same way that they put a log in the fire and they saw that the flames, what they were doing, what the fire was doing was releasing the bands of sunlight that had wrapped themselves around the trunk of trees as the earth turned around the sun. And then you could set that light free again. And they understood that that's what happened to us when we died, that our light was set free once again as we return to ashes, just like the wood did, so that our essence is actually light. We are beings of light. We are made of light, and we feed on light. And the food that we eat for our bodies, it's really light that has been repackaged. Now it, now it looks green. Now it looks like a cabbage or like a blueberry or like a strawberry or like rice. But it's really light turn into matter. And how we produce energy inside our body is by turning this food, plant food, back into light and storing it as light in a molecule called ATP. So this is our energy production inside every cell in our, our body. So to understand our nature, not as material beings, but as life, as spiritual beings that are having a biological experience, and not as biological beings that have an occasional spiritual experience. 
once you wake up in the spiritual path, you never ever again have a spiritual experience because you realize you are a spiritual being that's having a biological journey. So once we come to this understanding, then we eat as close to the light and to the best we can. So we eat a primarily plant-based diet because that's very direct access to sunlight. We find that the blue-green foods, the blueberries, the kales, the, have the highest concentration of light. And this light are actually instructions that these plants provide to our body. They are genetic modulators and upregulators. They start flipping on the switches, the genetic switches that create health and silencing more than 500 genes that create heart disease and cancer and other conditions. They're genetic upregulators. They turn on more than 200 genes that create health. And if you can create health, then you don't have to treat disease. Disease simply goes away or never manifests. We know how to do this today. This is the basis of, of my book, Grow a New Body. But we have the keys to this right in our backyard and the food we eat and the sunlight that we get and the way that we practice beauty with each other and with others. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just sitting here listening to you and um, my thoughts are that I'm so grateful to you, Alberto, for all you've gone through. And, you know, when you wrote your book, Your Body, it was because you almost died of, uh, of I think, your liver, right? Your, your liver was failing. And, and you went through this journey of, you know, coming very close to you know to, to to dying and then being reborn because of the great teachings that you had um, learned and applied. So you've become such a um, profound inspiration for so many for tens of thousands of people, probably even more on this planet at this time. And I just want you to know we're all so grateful to you and your journey and and delving into the depths of your own darkness and facing death and coming back to be with us at this time. <laughs> well, you know, this when you get close to having a near-death experience, you, you wake up. And, um, and today we're having a collective near-death threat. And it's a time to wake up. Now, fear will not let you wake up. Fear will lull you into an even deeper slumber, hoping to be saved, to be rescued, to be, to be avoided, that the angel of death not come knocking at my door. So today, we, when we practice fearlessness, when we eat well, when we grow a new body, I had to grow a new body because I was told to get on a liver transplant list because as an anthropologist, I worked in Africa and in the jungles in the Amazon and in Indonesia and picked up all kinds of parasites and viruses. And my liver was gone and my heart was full of holes and, and my doctor said to me, you better get on a liver transplant. This may be a heart transplant. And I said to him, well, I know I could probably get a, a new liver but where am I going to get a, a good brain? Because my brain was compromised. It was full of parasites. 
So I use Western medicine to kill the parasites. And Western medicine is very good at killing things. And, um, but then I had to grow a new body, a new liver, a new heart, a new brain, and discovered that we grow a new body every seven years anyway. The lining in your gut, the lining in your lungs has changed every three days. Your skin cells regenerate every five days. You grow an entirely new body every seven years. But I wanted to learn how to do it in seven months. And I did. I grew an entirely new body. But this information is now in password-protected regions in our DNA. And today we know how to hack our biology. We know how to access these regions that were once very active when we grew a body to begin with, but now are dormant. And we know how to switch them on again to help us take the next step in our evolution, which is today. Today is the day of that quantum leap. So don't wait. Well, uh, those are uh, wonderful words because I know you need to, to head off and you have a busy day and you shared so much time with us. So I'm going to um, let you get on with all of the other commitments you have. And um, I, I just, uh, again, thank you so much, uh, Alberto. I, I want people to go to your website, beforewings.com, to learn more about your work, your teaching your program, maybe go and visit you and we can travel again in Chile and uh, study with you and uh, and just uh, you know, honor you, Alberto, for the courage you have shown in your life to be who you are and to overcome uh, seemingly impossible odds to show the power that exists within us. So um, thank you so much for everything you. you do and how you serve us all. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. We have a lot of free resources in our website and in, um, in albertobioldo.com or uh, the4wins.com. The a lot of free resources that people can use to, uh, to really upgrade your body. So thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you for the beautiful work you do. Thank you. You be well. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye now. And um, be before we go, we have a little time. I just want to um, tell people to go to Alberto's uh, web uh, Facebook page as well, Alberto Violdo, V-I-L-L-O-L-D-O, V-I-L-L-O-L-D-O, because Alberto uh, does meditations through uh, his Facebook page, I think three times a week, and he does teaching, so... Um, <laughs> haven't already guessed and um you can do that and connect with him with your Facebook page. So that's what I really encourage you to do. So it's Alberto Violdo is his Facebook and um the Four Winds is more about his organization. And um the uh one thing I wanna add before we come to the end of the show today, Alberto had to be he's so gracious with his time. Um if you want to learn a very simple but profound meditation to begin to incorporate into your daily routine, I recommend you go to um, the heartmathinstitute.org and they have many of their, uh, there's lots of videos, lots of instruction right now. It's 
the program that was $29, and now it's for free. And the heart mass meditation, which is designed to move you into heart coherence, is a simple yet profound meditation. It just takes, you know, maybe 10 minutes a day to shift your energies, to shift your thinking, to shift your emotions, to open you up to the heart resonance of of love and forgiveness and gratitude. And for healing the body, you, you can't heal your physical body if you are holding on to emotions of fear, of anger, resentment. So this is a really simple and proven strategy, meditation form that is so easy to do and I often do it in my courses and people are amazed how deep they go and how connected they feel to that energy of of love and of peace. So I really encourage everyone listening, if you do not yet have a daily meditation practice, try the heart math technique. They even have a technology that you can purchase. The the meditation is free, but there's a technology that they've developed that helps you to track when you are in this heart coherent state, which is the same frequency as the energetic field of the planet. So you're in harmony with all of life and that is a profound frequency to enter into and maintain. So um, check it out, heartmathinstitute.org, I believe it is. And um, however you do it, in whatever way, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through meditation, whether it's with heart math, um, heart coherence technique, it is absolutely essential that at this time we do a practice and we do a practice on a daily basis as I um, always inspire people that I work with it's the discipline that is the key it's not so much how long you meditate how long you sit how long you are doing a breathing meditation or a chant it's not how long you're doing it for it's the consistency of doing it it's the discipline of every day because that discipline that you practice every day is building that new brain and it doesn't happen when you do it sporadically it happens when you are inputting that information into your nervous system into your brain every day every day every day every day so uh, I, I hope that today has been an inspirational conversation with Alberto Riodo, and uh, I hope you'll find your path, your, your form of connection that you resonate with, connecting you to your spiritual self that you can practice on a daily basis. I do that every day. I don't miss a meditation. So um, that's what I hope you will commit to, that you will find the just the right form. There's so many, so many options out there. Just 
you know, Google meditation and you'll get all sorts of free meditations. Oh, I also want to mention there is another app called Insight Timer, insighttimer.com, or Insight Timer is the app, I guess. Um, that is free and it offers numerous meditations and healing music and guided visualizations and that's all for free so you can go to insight timer for the app you can go to the heartmathinstitute.org or just do a search for heart coherence meditation and you'll be able to access that which is just maybe 10 minutes the most to to get into that state which then you can practice throughout the day, or any other meditations or practices you're doing. Just do them daily. Be committed to your change, to creating your homo luminous, so you can be connected to the strength and to the power and to the guidance to move us gracefully through this time of change as we move into a new, a new world a new world, a new dawn. So until next time, I just want to say thank you for joining me and uh, remember to fill your week with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. <laughs>